Hello, uh, everyone, and welcome to the last 2021 episode of Nick's Notes. I'm your host, Nick Desai, and I'm thrilled to be here with you. And before I go any further, I want to wish you and all of your loved ones and family and the world around us peace on earth and a very, very happy holiday season and a joyous new year. For this last episode, I have nine, Nick's nine, as I like to call them, nine bold predictions for the new year. Some of these I'm not the first one to think of, and some of these are my own view. And we'll see what happens, and maybe a year from now we'll do a retrospective and see which ones of these were right and wrong. And as always, I welcome your comments and your predictions in the comments and in the links below. So let's get started. The first one is that COVID is going to become chronic. If it hasn't already, it's going to become chronic. And there are two ways in that, right? The first is COVID is here to stay. We're looking at the Omicron variant now and, you know, engineers and nerds like me learned the Greek alphabet a long time ago, but now everyone's learning it because there's more and more variants and some are going to be this and some are going to be that. And um, the second is the long haulers and the people who've had COVID and seemingly even recovered fully. We are going to learn over the next 12 months and longer, I think, that many of the people who fully recovered do have long-term health impacts, whether it's to diabetes, to their liver, to their lungs, to their brains, to other early onset conditions. So we're going to see a long-term chronic impact from the 50 million people who have gotten and recovered from COVID, some of whom are still suffering, uh, and we are going to see that uh, this disease is going to become endemic in our society. And people look at COVID as a pol politicization of healthcare, but let's be clear, in the last 50 years in America, healthcare has been politicized and is political, right? The debate over maternal fetal mortality, I talk about this a lot, and I try to make this show not about politics, but in California, the maternal fetal mortality rate where they cover uh, Health care for women who are pregnant, regardless of socioeconomic status, is four amongst the best in the world, and certainly the best in the United States. In Texas, it's 36 amongst the worst in the world, and the worst amongst the worst in the United States. There is a difference. Healthcare has always been politicized. We're just seeing it much more now with COVID because it's a forefront issue, and that's unfortunate. And hopefully, calmer and more. Uh, more sensible heads that understand that your health, my health, and all of our health are related will prevail. But that remains to be seen. And that's a prediction I wish I didn't have to make, but I'd be lying to you if I didn't think that COVID was going to become pro uh, chronic. On a positive note, I think mixed mode and what I've called for last seven years, omnimodal care is here to stay. And like commerce, healthcare will be everywhere, right? We are now at a point when it comes to buying goods and services, food products, whatever it is, groceries, Christmas presents, whatever, that we don't think of, is it on Amazon? Is it on Target? Is it at Target? Is it here? Is it at the local kiosk when I'm walking through? Is it at the grocery store? It's everywhere. You can buy almost anything in any modality, and we use a combination of all of it, because sometimes when we're walking through the, the mall after having dinner at a restaurant, our kid sees a toy they want, and sometimes we buy it on Amazon and it comes to our house. 
And what we see with the big retail chains, with Walgreens, with Hy-Vee, with Walmart, with uh, all the big retail chains at CVS, what we see with digital care delivery, what we see with in-person and home-centric care, which obviously I'm a big believer in, is we're going to see mixed-mode care. Care is going to be delivered everywhere and anywhere through all modalities and work seamlessly across those modalities. And that's a very good thing because I said this when I started Heal seven years ago, it should be as easy to get healthcare as it is to get a pizza. And we're finally going to see that happen. The third, and I borrow this in part from Sachin Jain, who's at Scan Health Plan and was at Caremore before, that a lot of 2021 unicorns are going to be 2023 unicorpses, okay? And that is because I'm not being dour on the industry. I'm a huge believer in the transformative potential of technology for healthcare. Our founding mission statement at Hey Renee is health equity through innovation. And I think that is going to happen. But a lot of the companies that are out there that are getting traction, that are getting tons of funding, have a very small base of customers or patients, very, very small right, have valuations that simply cannot be sustained. Because if you add up all those valuations and relative to the number of patients, there aren't enough total patients to sustain that kind of volume. Because we're not seeing real reduction in healthcare cost. If the promise of virtually every health tech solution is we're going to make this more efficient, this easier to access, so this cost will go down right? But we're not seeing those reductions in cost. And in part because point solutions don't work for the patients who could most benefit from them. When you see solutions that are cash out of pocket, $50 a month, there's a lot of talk about direct-to-consumer healthcare, and that's a good thing, and we're going to get to that prediction. But the price points, we have to remember that For 95% of Americans, anything that costs beyond what their insurance covers is a non-starter. And in that environment, building services for, hey, we're going to go sell this into the same super rich self-insured tech company that can offer more and more benefits to its employees, there's a diminishing marginal return because there's only so many such companies and ultimately all the platforms end up competing. Similarly, I think we're going to see and dramatically increased regulation and crackdown on what's called RAF for revenues. What is traditionally value-based care, I take a group of patients, their risk score is 1.2. I can make money either by actually improving their health care or by saying they're sicker. And the easier way to make money is to upcode and say they're sicker. We've seen a lot of huge insurance companies pay billion-dollar fines this year the government is getting a six to one return on the investigative cost and they should absolutely get that return because every time one of those penalties is paid what you should read what i should read is some company took my tax dollars to not take care of patients but just to make more money right and regardless of what model of healthcare you believe in we should treat patients in the most efficient way possible. And that crackdown is a long time coming. People have been talking about this for 20 years. And I think something things are finally starting to happen that will force a reckoning as to what real value is. Are patients really benefiting? Is there a real lower healthcare cost? Are outcomes really improving? 
Are people really living longer? We've talked about this before, is that life expectancy is stagnating despite the fact that we're spending more and more money. Remote patient monitoring, the potential of which has been talked about extensively over the last two years, and now everyone and their brother has an RPM solution, will become commoditized and mainstream, but it will do so because of a move from device-based diagnostics to camera-based diagnostics. There are a bunch of great companies that are on the precipice of FDA, FCC, other approvals that they need for camera-based vital signs and wearable-based vital signs for the most common vitals, blood pressure, heart rate, heart rate variability, heart rate, heart rate variability are always there, already there, but and blood sugar. If you can get blood sugar and blood pressure through remote uh, camera-based diagnostics, you move from the expensive devices and limited, hey, I have to go to my blood pressure cuff in my house, to it's always on me, always with me. And I'm not talking about $500 smartwatches. I'm talking about the stuff that exists in the phones that everybody has, or almost everybody has, and can truly become ubiquitous. I see that starting to come to fore in 2022. There's going to be an increased disruption of insurance models, right? We are seeing more and more talk about direct-to-employer, direct-to-consumer, subscription-based models. And I think that's phenomenal, right? Again, there's a price point factor as to who it's for. There's also a regulatory factor because you can't be a doctor provider who accepts Medicare and also say, I'm going to offer a direct-to-consumer subscription to people over 65. So I think we have to figure out those regulatory things because the people over 65 and maybe with an expansion of Medicare with President Biden, people over 55, they're going to be looking at what does Medicare allow me to do as a leading indicator of what all insurance allows to do. But certainly in the commercial space, people are starting it smarter and corporations have, are definitely smarter about, I don't need an insurance company, I need a set of services. And I can disaggregate and disintermediate and I can have labs go to my patient's house and I can have virtual primary care and I can have this and this and this and put these things together in a way that dramatically lowers costs, improves access, improves outcomes for my patient population. Um, I think you're going to see, related to that uh, paradigm, an increased focus on health equity, right? We, I've talked about this here, I talked about this on a keynote I did last week, that the most important definition of health inequity in America is that disadvantaged people die younger, 12 years younger on average. Right. You, in the United States of America, where you live and what your zip code you were born in and what your socioeconomic status is will make a difference between a decade or more of your life. That's an abject, unacceptable tragedy. And we cannot call ourselves the most successful, best country on earth until we fix that problem. And the way to fix that problem is to some of the things I talked about above. Mixed, mixed mode and virtually based care can affect poor and lower income and rural Americans more than anyone else. I have 14 ways to get to a doctor where I live, but someone might not have 14 ways to get to a doctor and may live 14 miles from the closest doctor and not drive or 140 miles, right? So I think that health equity, the push towards health equity, there is no equity. There's no racial equity. There's no other equity without health equity, because if you're doomed to live a shorter life, what's the point of everything else? Uh, we are going to see some of the froth 
go to a freeze, right? The valuations being paid. I mean, we talked about the unicorpses, but broader indicators are also there. Housing prices are starting to cool. There's going to be rate increases in 2022. These things that affect the public markets affect the venture markets and ultimately affect the companies. At some point, people are going to start looking for returns. And if your private company at their B round is, there was a company that raised last week an A round at a billion dollar valuation. Really, if your A round's at a billion and your B round's at six billion, what is the return you have to deliver? right? And how many of those companies are there going to be? So we're going to start a return to fundamentals, investing in great companies with sound economic models. And we've seen this shake out in so many other spaces, mattress companies and shoe companies and all the companies being exposed for non-gap accounting and the tricks they play to look better to investors and create a hype, but not be sustainable independent businesses. I think that shakeout is very necessary because ultimately the best companies will prevail in rougher economic times. And that's when great companies are built that have sustainability and lasting power. And finally, and most importantly, and obviously perhaps a biased perspective, given what we do here at Hey Renee, I'm here in my handsome shirt, is whole person health. People aren't diabetics and hypertensives or Obese people, obese patients, they're humans named Jane or Joan or Juanita or Jim. And these patients are human beings and they want to date and they want to work part time. And they also happen to have diabetes and they also don't drive and they also need help taking their medications. And they also want to age in place with dignity and independence that they deserve for a life of hard work and service. And the only way we're going to give them that is by focusing on horizontally integrated whole person health, knowing that this person's true goals are to get back in the dating scene or to play with their grandkids or to bake for their church picnics is as important as knowing whether or not they took their blood pressure medication, because the reason they're not taking their blood pressure medication is because they're not able to get date anyways. And so their goals aren't being met. So they're not motivated. Right. And this includes the finally here focus that mental health is primary health and primary health is mental health and those two things can't be extricated i'm nick desai those are my nicks nine i hope you have a wonderful holiday season i hope everyone stays safe and uh from covid and whatever variant and may there be peace on earth and goodwill towards all humans and i wish you well thank you so very very much